Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your host, Dr. Graham Taylor. We as mental health professionals come into our field with the best of intentions and ideally with the best ethics and standards for practice. But no matter how professional our practice may be, an accident, a mistake, or a misunderstanding can happen. And whether we're at fault or not, we can find ourselves in the center of a malpractice claim and responsible for large legal and settlement fees. The best practice against harmful allegations, a financially damaging lawsuit, and high legal fees is to have the appropriate form of malpractice insurance coverage. Well, I'm excited to have with me today to talk about professional liability insurance, Rachel Warners. Over the last 10 years, as the Director of Operations at CPH Insurance, Rachel and her company have been providing competitively priced professional liability insurance for mental health professionals. Rachel, so nice to have you on the show today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Graham. I'm happy to be here. Great to have you here. You know, as we start out, educate our listeners a little bit about CPH and what makes your company and its associates unique in this field and the work that you guys are doing to provide this kind of coverage for practitioners. Absolutely. So we're a leading provider of professional liability insurance for mental health professionals. We've been doing this for 23 years and counting. And and the pillars of CPH are really superior customer service, and technology. We marry the two of those to really streamline what can be a really confusing process Mm -hmm. for therapists. And we're here to help you protect the career that you've invested so much in. And we really put a lot of energy and effort into being ahead of the curve in really partnering with providers in what kind of coverages they're needing, staying flexible, staying alert, Going through the pandemic, there were a lot of topics that came up, you know, namely telehealth, and we really pride ourselves on being able to respond to that in in real time. I like that idea of being able to match the coverage to the specific and unique needs of each practitioner because we're doing you know doing different things in different places or different seasons of our career. And maybe we can come back to that a little bit later in the show. I, I want to acknowledge that you're, you know you're saying what it does by having this coverage is that it allows us to do what we do best and what we've been trained for and what we want to focus on without having to focus, you know, on the risks of a claim coming. And as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, we, we can be practicing ethically and employ the best standards of care and still claims can be made against us. And even if they don't ultimately hold up in the end, the process can truly be a devastating one. And, you know, both psychologically, emotionally, and financially help us appreciate the importance of liability insurance. So not only is liability insurance often a requirement for contracts that you have or credentialing or with insurance companies that you're getting paneled, it's the best way to ensure that you are protected from the unexpected. And like you mentioned, we hope that these things never come up. And oftentimes something like a board complaint, they can end up being frivolous and they're dismissed. But at the very least, you need that defense coverage to have an attorney, to have your provider kind of advocating on your behalf as you go through what can be a, you know, a stressful process. And it's not always just lawsuits, it's subpoenas, it's depositions, things that really have nothing to do 
with the service that you provided, but you're nonetheless pulled into a custody situation or something like that. Having that consultation, having an attorney so that you avoid any potential liability in your response to that scenario is really important. I think that's a great reminder. You know, we think, well, malpractice insurance is just what I'm going to get, you know, a claim filed against me or someone's going to call, you know, the ethics board and, and make a complaint. But there are other things that we don't oftentimes, we get trained for, but probably not until it comes across your desk when you receive a subpoena or you receive a deposition request that you begin to inhale with some concern and some fears that it's also nice to have. We're going to talk about consultation that you guys offer in just a little bit here, but those are things that also the malpractice coverage can be a part of in terms of, again, trying to get out in front of and be prepared for these situations so that you can practice even in those kinds of situations, response to a subpoena and how to do it properly, sitting in a deposition and being covered properly. I think those are great. I remember one time I was seeing a couple, there were a lot of personality disorder components to the couple. And I therapeutically had to confront a couple of things going on and it really triggered one of the members in the couple. And next thing I know, I get this phone call that she wanted to quit therapy and she had kind of a, uh, a copay still balance. She hadn't paid a couple of sessions maybe. And I talked to her briefly about it and she didn't want to pay it. And it was basically, she was being confronted with some things that were very hard to address, but it was being manifest and not looked at, but it was being manifest through wanting to pull away and to not have the fee. And she was going to call this agency and this agency was going to call agencies that didn't even exist to try and, you know, thwart my efforts to get the copay. And, and I was thinking to myself, although I, you know, dropped it and allowed her to exit therapy in, in a therapeutic way, because she needed to in an opening to come back in if she desired. But in my back of my mind, I thought, boy, this could go sideways so quickly. And even though I had done nothing wrong, everything was, you know, therapeutically driven and ethically driven. It can go sideways when you don't even anticipate it happening. So I love your emphasis Absolutely. on that primary prevention and going on. So, you know, I did my, my, my residency and my fellowship training at a medical center, and I was covered under their insurance while I was in my training years. And then the same insurance continued when I was hired back on as staff. But what might be the benefit of a practitioner like myself in those couple positions as a trainee, as a staff member of a, of a center? for a practitioner to have their own insurance coverage in addition to what might be provided by the company itself? A great question. And something that comes up a lot. Oftentimes providers will assume that if they are employed at a hospital or an agency, that they don't necessarily need their own insurance. We always advocate for having your own in addition to that which might be provided by the employer. There's a lot of reasons for that, but namely it's peace of mind. Yes. You might leave that place of employment. Mm -hmm. That policy provided by your employer might exhaust their limits of liability through some other claims that they mm -hmm. have had throughout the year. They might not have a policy that provides things like attorney consultation for right. concerns that you have come up. And for how reasonable the premiums can be on a employed policy you're looking at around $115 for the whole year. It's a really nice safeguard to have. And it's extra coverage in a sense. So yes, your employers is going to be primary for you. 
Right. But should there be limitations to that coverage or so limit or it's exhausted, then you trigger your own individual coverage. Yeah, I like that. I think we want to give, you know, the companies we work for the benefit of the doubt that, you know, they're going to yeah. cover us, but their liability policy may not prioritize our best interests. And I, I, I like that idea of our individual malpractice insurance in our own name, providing a whole other layer of protection for the practitioner, for their family, their career, their hard earned, you know, personal assets. That's a really nice encouragement in the same vein as in terms of being a trainee at that level of, you know, residency, fellowship, kind of advanced training. How about for those that are students and enrolled, say, in a master's or a doctoral program where they're out doing practicum work in a facility or a practice? How about for students being covered? What's your recommendation there? Yeah, we love partnering with students at the beginning of their professional journey. We can insure you all the way from your student practicum, it's $15 for the year okay. for that, that insurance. And then we can carry it along with you as you graduate and you're now provisionally licensed, you're doing your hours towards your full license under supervision. We partner with you through that and then getting fully licensed and then potentially establishing your own private practice and LLC. Maybe you're joining another practice it's great to kind of continue that seamlessly from your student. And sometimes the school will provide what they call student blanket policy. Right. But just in the same vein that we were talking about before, there's really no reason not to have your own secured. One thing that we should mention is there's different types of policies. There's a claims made policy and there's an occurrence form policy. Claims made policies are only effective while the coverage is in place. So okay. if you switch carriers or that company dissolves and they no longer have that insurance, if they don't buy that tail policy that is needed on a claims made coverage, it'll be like the years you had that policy never existed. Yeah. So should a claim come up from during that time, there's no tail coverage, you have no coverage. But if you always had your own policy in force, you wouldn't have to worry about that. At CPH, we provide an occurrence form coverage, which is lifetime coverage. As long as you had coverage in place at the time you were rendering services, it lasts forever. That's really good. I appreciate kind of defining and distinguishing those two in that important way. You know, one of the things you said earlier on was, and I really want to speak to some of the early career practitioners here as well, students also listening, that Practicing in kind of a primary prevention, primary prevention is getting out in front of something and anticipating things and setting yourself up for success, but also setting yourself up to be protected and to, to recognize that a lot of the way that we practice gets to be kind of like you said, defense coverage, having something in place that does protect us ahead of time. It's essential. It allows us, and it kind of frees us up, like you said, to do what we do best and not to worry about, you know, what's going to happen should something come up, even if we're practicing well. One of the one of the many offerings of CPH is the opportunity to consult with an attorney. Explain this and also kind of the benefits of doing that at the front end of something. Yeah. 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 We hope this is something that everybody knows they have with CPH. Sometimes we find that people find don't realize that they have this coverage. It's an amazing benefit. Every nice. policyholder is entitled to two hours of attorney consultation per policy year. For situations that come up that could potentially lead to a claim mm -hmm. if they're not handled ethically or correctly. So some of these common concerns that we get are they'll have a request for records 
in various yes. different contexts, custody, divorce, there's something criminal that's occurred maybe with one of their patients and they have a request for records. Maybe they have a dual relationship scenario on their hands that they're not yeah. sure how to navigate. They can call in. We set you up with an attorney in your state if we have one available in that state. If not, we have some attorneys that are available to consult nationwide for us. And it's typically a pretty, you know, maybe they're 15 minutes long and you can kind of talk through how to respond to these concerns that come up. Uh, that's so if, good. If there are follow-up questions, you know, we can set up additional consult for you with that same attorney. And we found that just to be really helpful. I, I think that's so helpful. And, and I love that encouraging word. I would love to speak to my clinician, you know, colleagues, do not be shy to uh, have these kind of consultations. They are so helpful. Sometimes we don't know what we don't know about what could happen. We kind of, you know, function in what we what we understand, but there are so many things that can happen outside that we don't anticipate. And if we can have somebody who's kind of been there, done that, and can kind of think outside the box for us and provide us mm -hmm. with some, you know, safety guides or some considerations that we hadn't thought before. I think about a consultation I had with an attorney, much like what we're talking about here, a consultation, we're putting together a colleague and I, a pro bono mental health center here where I live. And we ran some things by them and, and their feedback was so good. And in fact, it wasn't just about protection, which was an essential piece, but it was some additional things that we hadn't thought about that we could offer with our consultation. So it expanded our, our, our thoughts as well as helping us kind of practice in a way that was protected and, and right by the people that we were going to be serving. So I think this is a great, great suggestion and a great offering. Yeah. What are the kinds of what are the kinds of insurance are available for the practitioners yeah. to come in and are covered by you folks? Sure. So the primary additional coverages that we see are commercial general liability, which is a slip and fall policy. Oftentimes, it's required by landlords or contracting agencies that you have, and this will give you coverage if somebody were to come to your office. They slip and fall on the stairs. It doesn't right. even have to be a patient of yours. It could be the mailman. It could be a parent. And they hold you liable for that bodily injury. It also gives you fire and water legal liability at the office. So let's say you had a microwave that caused a fire in the office and the right. landlord sued you for that. It would include some coverage for that as well. Business personal property coverage is another need that we see. So this is protection for the contents of your office. Okay. And so this is really just for you, $15,000 of coverage. And another very popular coverage in the last few years is cyber liability. This is something that we're seeing come up. CPH has a few different offerings within that cyber product, but this is going to give you some protection if there is a breach of your electronic devices mm -hmm. and your patient's personal health information is compromised, for example, it's going to cover expenses to notify clients, okay. investigate how it happened, restore the security of your devices, things like that. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Are you preparing for a licensure exam in psychology, social work, marriage and family therapy, counseling, or behavioral analysis? AATBS is here to help. We have been supporting behavioral mental health students to prepare for their licensure exams for more than 45 years, working with over 1 million students to succeed on test day and move on to the next step in their career. 
with products ranging from comprehensive courses to quiz banks and delivered live online, self-study online, and in print, AATBS has test prep solutions that meet every student's needs and learning styles. Visit us today at aatbs.com. That's aatbs.com. And use promo code BHT15 to save 15% off your next purchase. You know, speaking earlier about things we don't think about sometimes, but it's nice to have those thoughts. And I didn't even anticipate that, that 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 cyber piece. That makes a lot of sense in the work you guys do around that. One of the things I was going to ask you about too is we think about therapy being with folks coming into our office, you know, face to face and in in our office setting, but with the advent and with the expansion, explosion really of telemental health happening, which is awesome, given the people that we can reach now that we haven't been able to reach before. Do your policies cover telemental health as well? Yes, this is a huge question in the last few years with so many people pivoting to telehealth and incorporating that into their practices. The CCH policy does cover telehealth. It's a portable policy. Mm. So it's going to cover you just the way it would if you were in person in your office. Our suggestions as practitioners look into providing telehealth is that you confirm with your state licensing board and any licensing boards or regulatory boards in other states that you might be going into via telehealth and confirm that both states allow the telehealth. As long as they do, the policy will cover those claims in just the same way. Very good. Yeah, very good. You know, we're talking about how to anticipate some claims that could be brought in. Maybe it might be helpful to help us understand, and again, in the service of primary prevention, what are some of the most common complaints that you see coming across your desk being filed against practitioners? Great question. Three come to mind. First of those being practicing outside of your credential is definitely one of the most common that we see. Sometimes that is provisionally licensed people kind of practicing Mm -hmm. outside their scope or it's LPCs practicing outside their scope or advertising themselves as a higher credential than what they are. That is one of the common claims, dual relationships. Mm -hmm. And you know, that can look a lot of different ways. It can, there can be some boundary violations there that we see as sometimes practitioners might befriend their clients Mm -hmm. or be providing insight into their lives that kind of goes beyond just mental health therapy. And often we see complaints around custody, Mm -hmm. um, you know, custody evaluations or one parent being dissatisfied with the report that is being provided. Yeah. What I like about your sharing those is that we can get out in front of each one of these, you know, the idea of practicing within the scope of your competence, man, I encourage folks to, to just really be clear about what they're good at, what their training and, and, and experiences and to work with them, if you want to expand it, great. You know, go get the proper training and, and, and get the certifications or whatever you need to do to have that competence. But man, practice within your realm of competence and be really good at it. And if it's outside the realm, refer them out because there's going to be plenty of business out there. You don't need to practice outside. And I know what happens a lot of times is that people are eager, particularly those that are coming into the field anew, and they want to be helpful. They're earnest. They're they're well-intended. But it gets to be a little bit of a slippery slope, doesn't it? When it gets a little bit outside of where they're most skilled, where they're most expert, and where their training has been. So 
I, I like that idea there. And the idea of dual relationships, it gets it gets blurry sometimes. I live in Hawaii and it's a small community. I will bump into people at a restaurant or a Costco or Home Depot or on the beach, mm, whatever it fair. may be. And you learn how to practice within the realm of what we've got here. And, and it works out, if you, but it can happen. You can be on a board with somebody or what to do in those situations. And that's where I think that consultation comes in really clearly about, hey, this is my situation. Yeah. How might you kind of guide me through this? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also like the idea too of recognizing that a, a lot of things can happen when we go to court, whether it's a subpoena, whether it's a deposition, whether it's a custody evaluation, whether it's having to report maybe child abuse or whether it's to, you know, fail to warn or duty to warn. And we're not doing those things oh. that kind of come into the legal yeah. realm that a little bit scary and pretty highly anxious, you know, we're kind of kind of anxiety producing for us as clinicians, but we have to do it part of our, our our requirement and we have to do it well. And again, that consultation really comes into play here, doesn't it? It does. And we also always encourage that people leverage their professional associations as well. They usually have a lot of great resources and risk management to, to really help their members with those types of things. Well, let's give a plug for that as well. In addition to having malpractice, being a part of your local association and a national association really has its benefits. The consultation opportunities, the, 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 the collegial kind of mentorship that can take place is priceless. And so I, I appreciate that emphasis right there. That's really good. Hey, let's talk a little bit about cost. You know, what's the sticker price on some of these things? And if I'm a mental health professional yeah. coming in to get insurance yeah. with you, what, what's the type of coverage and what's it going to cost? Yeah, so we kind of touched on it with students. Starts at about $15 for the year for the premium. Once you're graduated, you're provisionally licensed, you're looking at about $100 for the year. Once you're fully licensed, there's a bit more of a variety. It's based on if you're employed, self-employed, and how many hours a week you're working. If you're a W-2 employee somewhere, it's about $115 for the year. And then if you are self-employed, working up to 10 hours a week, it's about 115. If you're working up to 20 hours a week, it's about 180. If you're working over 20 hours a week, you're looking at about 320 for the year. That's just for the professional liability, the malpractice portion. The additional coverages like general liability, cyber liability, those have their own premium assigned to them. But as you can see, it's, it's fairly reasonable. Yeah. Um, we touched a little bit on the differences between claims made and occurrence form policies. Claims made policies tend to start lower in premium, and then they increase every year. Where a occurrence form policy like CPH offers, they premiums often start higher, but they don't change same year to year. Yeah, I think that's so important. You know, that's that's reasonable. I I you know, I know sometimes given the coverage you have, I might, you know, dip in or kind of go up into a thousand, maybe two thousand. Can I encourage yeah. folks, drop a couple of Starbucks, forego those and put this into this, and you will you will be covered and you will be safe and secure. Again, that's the defense coverage that is so, so worth it. Pay it now in a in a reasonable way and get the kind of coverage you're talking about is so allowing of peace of mind and a very, very safe way to practice. And uh, I, I appreciate your encouragement around that. Yeah. Well, I know we're kind of coming into the home base here. Anything else you'd like us to understand or maybe things we haven't covered so far that you'd like us to kind of leave with regarding CPH and, and practicing safely? 
Yeah, I think that we really touched on the important thing. The professional association, you know, we always advocate for that as we look at what are the best ways to avoid liability. They oftentimes have attorneys on staff as well that can help you with things that maybe are outside the scope of malpractice specifically, but help with setting up your practice, for instance. CPH also partners with an attorney who writes a monthly avoiding liability blog for us. Oh, it's so good. And yeah, we send that out every month with usually some other little tidbits and resources in there for you. But he will address topics that we see coming up. And it's not always exclusive to just malpractice, but questions you should be asking yourself as a provider. And we have those all published on our website as well and organized by topics. You can search through those. So that's another great resource. Really excellent. You know, kind of in closing, you've been with CPH for 10 plus years now, I understand. And what what, what keeps you involved in this work? Yeah, I love this work. I'm, I'm really passionate about the industry trends and how these impact the needs of our providers, especially as you're going through things like a global pandemic. It's such yeah. an evolving industry and there's new mandates that are coming and requirements are changing and contracts are evolving that, that you have with agencies. And we love the challenge of uniquely meeting the needs of our providers. And because technology is so huge for us yeah. and we, we really own that at CPH. And so we're always looking for ways to make it easier for you, faster for you. And whenever it's not, we're here and we answer the phone on the second ring and we'll hold your hand and walk you through it. I like that. That's the, that's the time to be handheld for sure. As we close today, give us some uh, information about how folks can follow up with CPH and associates there. And in addition to this, what you're going to share with us, we'll put on our website as well, but give us, give us some idea how we can contact you. Absolutely. Our website is a great place to start. It's cphinsurance.com. Our phone number is on there. 800-875-1911. There's a contact us form right on there and you'll always get a live person when you call. Picked up on the second ring. I like that little, that little jingle right there. That's a good one. Well, you know, I know that the idea of facing a malpractice claim is not something anybody or any one of us really wants to think about, but it can happen even to the most ethical practitioner. And first and foremost, like you're emphasizing today as practitioners, it's essential that we protect ourselves from unnecessary risks that are in an inherent part of our work. They just are, it just comes with it. And what you've helped us understand, I think better understand today, Rachel, is having that the proper policy in place allows us to perform our job, to do what we've been trained to do without the unnecessary worry of our financial assets being lost in the event of a lawsuit. So I sure appreciate what you're doing. And it's been great to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Graham. Great to have you here. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining Rachel and me today. It's always great to have you with us. Regarding our episode today, I want to remind you that it and its resources and all of our other podcasts can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. So go take a look at our webpage, if you would, triadhq.com slash BHT and explore our archive of podcasts and resource materials. Thanks again for being with us on the show. And we look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community, and if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.